Greetings, traveler. I know it may be tempting not to heed warnings telling you to turn back now, but this one you might want to pay attention to if you're sensitive towards sexual content or foul language in a podcast. We will be swearing during this episode, and we will be talking about some not-so-PG-13 things. So this is your one and only chance to turn back now. Please enjoy the show. I do, I do want to say that um, in the episode that came out this week, the part where I did the burp, <laughs> and it, at, in the moment I couldn't stop laughing at it, I also still couldn't stop laughing at it once it happened. I was at work, and I was sitting there sorting through documentation of financial statistics for a trip that was organized by where I work in 1965 looking for specific stuff and I have it I have the podcast episode playing in the background and I just hear the (laughs) I had to physically cover my mouth because I was laughing so hard I couldn't stop laughing so that's the thing Uh, at least we think we're funny because I also find us hilarious whenever I'm editing the podcast Oh, man. I usually find this very funny when I'm driving to work and I hear <laughs> saying something and I'm like, yo, I'm going to make me crash. Like, <laughs> um, I, I, I also thought it was more funny because I was like, wow, I thought that was so funny in the moment. That's crazy that I thought it was so funny. And then I thought it was funny because of that. <laughs> and I had to listen to it to edit it. Thanks, you Levi. You say that right after I did it. I yeah. know. <laughs> uh, you know... I just watched the video. You watched the video? <laughs> meow, meow, meow. What? <laughs> hey, everybody. Welcome to the Nat One Podcast, a.k.a. Nope, because nope, you're not going to want to hear what we're about to have to say. I'm producing. I'm Levi. And I'm Jordan. Uh, one day we need to do an episode where we make our pets into, into uh, D&D characters. Jordan, you can do Taryn. There's a minute version of this meme. What? There's a minute version of it. What is it just it on loop or well it's kind of it on loop. It's like it just doing the meow sound randomly and then the ah happening. Oh. So it's like that one time that we played DD with the like one hour of silence with the Taco Bell bell in the background. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, that's the way to play DD. If you aren't playing your sessions with uh, hours of silence interrupted by random noise you're not playing D right or if you just go the full 16 hours while listening to tequila it's a different experience <laughs> tequila but it never reaches the tequila oh god that or if you listen to uh meatloaf's bat out of hell on a loop yeah no copyright no change it and that's it the <laughs> I'm going to have to find a cold open in there somewhere. Something, something about something. Taryn being a something, pet, something bottom in this. Meow, meow, meow. Yeah, that's going to be the beginning is the meow, meow, meow. I just really like the video. Not even because of the, the og, but the meow is going in like ascending pitch. Meow, meow, meow. Like, it's, it's funny to me. Oh, oh huh. apparently the opening for uh, that goaded with the sauce Chinese general guy uh, is sung. Yeah, is sung by Hungarians. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. <laughs> Japanese is pretty good. <laughs> uh, I know the band is named Queendom. But anyway, today we're here 
you wouldn't think it would have taken us this long, but we're here to talk about <laughs> our characters. Finally. Well, that's what we're doing today? Oh, I don't think I can talk about mine. Oh, come on, Levi. Child murder is not that big of a deal. You have to talk about every single NPC you've ever made. That's not the part. I. That's where the part I was worried about. <laughs> we're going to be here for four hours, Patrice. <laughs> Oh, and then you have to do all of yours. <laughs> oh no. 30 humans, uh, 28 of which I made. <laughs> all of the temple people. If we're doing ones that got stat blocks or, or character sheets, yeah. <laughs> but that's okay. Well, we'll just talk about the ones that uh, we play play. <laughs> well, if you want to be technical, you and I have both play played all the NPCs as well. Oh my God. Uh, no, okay, we're not, we're not talking about the NPCs. We're not doing <laughs> You guys can talk about your favorite NPCs to fill in the, the campaigns that you didn't like play in. I think oh, that could sure, be sure, cool. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Then we'll start with you, Jordan. What's your favorite NPC that you play? <laughs> That's no. hilarious. No. <laughs> one day, one day we'll make you. No, I, we won't I've, make you, I've but... told you I'm going to run Call of Cthulhu as soon as That's I true. learn how to play Call of Cthulhu. <laughs> yeah, you can probably skip that first step. <laughs> uh, yeah, we did. We, we did. <laughs> I know we there's a D10 in there somewhere, so... We'll just, like, uh, roll a D20 and divide it by two and call it a day. There you go. Now, I also have the Firefly TTRPG over there somewhere, we, so... We have D10s to produce it. We do have D10s. What if I don't know how to read up to 10? Well, we also have the D100 oh, golf no. ball. Oh, no! The golf ball! Oh, we do have we have the golf, golf ball. ball. <laughs> so we'll just do the golf we just ball, but all divide have by to get 10. Golf balls! I, yes. I feel like that's what needs to be added to my dice collection. Golf. The golf ball. Everyone we all your golf ball. golf ball. Yeah. You know Taryn be the one to show up with a golf ball, but he actually like painted all the numbers <laughs> or he markered each number for each dimple on the golf ball. That would be really funny if he A would. fine point permanent <laughs> yeah. marker that he has. Anyway, characters though. Characters. <laughs> not golf balls. Not golf balls. Not brothers. <laughs> My first character. Golf ball. No. <laughs> Squiggles. Um, I don't really know what order we should go in. I don't know. I don't know. We'll just go reverse age. So uh Levi, Jordan, me. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm always um, in the middle. This is this is my place. Yeah, the oldest should have been born something else. I don't know. Some born, other time. I would been born still be Christmas 1999. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, um. Oh, that was in sync for me. Oh, was it? <laughs> yeah. And go to my no. So, which one do we start? Should we go chronological? That'd be easiest. Probably to think chronological of, yeah. order. So, well, what are we considering the first campaign? Well, I'd say let's start V one. V one. Yeah. Okay. V one. I DM'd my favorite NPC from Vivia one. Probably no. I was I was gonna say one, but I was like, no, that doesn't count. Probably Irham. He was pretty much. Irham was pretty much the because I had drawn the Vivia world out and it had a map and everything, but the story was pretty much completely and entirely kickstarted by the idea of what I wanted Irham's character to be. And then really? it, yes, it started off of that, which is Irham's character was kid who got orphaned his family was attacked by orcs he got sold into slavery escaped went and lived with a mage slash artificer for a time and then basically became not a not a chosen one but like he was picked 
he was picked for his role by a god pretty much and then became a leader of men because of it became an emperor because of his his pickage is being picked and yeah he was the entire he was the entire because i had to make a god for to pick him so that's when i made the gods and I had to make a scenario in which he got orphaned. So that's when I made the scenario that was befitting of that, uh, which kickstarted history in the world. And then I had to make stuff for like, oh, this is why these races exist and interact with each other. And this is why they're in these locations and all that. Yeah. Um, if I had to give a class to him, he didn't have any class levels because this was before I was like, you, I was like, you can't give him PCs class levels. What's wrong with you? <laughs> so if I had to give him class levels, probably just be a fighter just a fighter um probably a battle master fighter battle master not uh champion (laughs) no no probably a battle master fighter even that commanding strike or whatever it is strategist yeah yeah uh mastermind rogue levels in there (laughs) no no I was actually, I always wondered about that. I know that they're god characters, so it's like, oh, well, probably more stat block than characters. <laughs> but um, I was always like, what what class would you give to some of those characters? But mm-hmm. I, I, I was on that, on that same page. I was thinking fighter or paladin for Earham. I was thinking paladin. I well, he would then, like he's not a paladin to himself, though, is the thing. Yeah, that, <laughs> that's, that's, um, that's where it comes from, is when, when I initially was like, Oh, what class levels we have? I was like, oh, he'd be a paladin, mm-hmm. obviously. But then I was like, well, really, Gerham's character isn't that religious. Mm-hmm. The only reason he is religious in a sense is because he is literally a, a deity at this mm-hmm. point. He has become a god through the events of Vivia. But as a person before that, he wasn't religious at all. He didn't care. So he would have just been a fighter. Yeah, he wouldn't have been a paladin. You know what kind of impressions he gives me when I think about it like that? Mm. Now, I know I'm like, I'm, I'm big in the Warhammer, right? Now. I'm in my Warhammer phase, but he kind of makes me think of the Emperor of Mankind from 40K, where he's like, I'm I just did. a strong dude and I'm anti-religious. Don't worship <laughs> me. And then everyone is like, he is the Messiah. <laughs> no, I did not intend for that at all. Um, it's a good comparison though, right? You think so? Yeah. I, I would say slightly different in the I don't think Earham's necessarily anti-religious. Yeah. Like like the like imps is in yeah. uh 40k, but he's definitely more like I just don't care. <laughs> yeah, when it comes to it. But yeah, that's Earham. Learn more about Earham at a later date. Coming <gasps> up soon, yes. Yeah. Well, soon-ish, depending on yeah, <laughs> <laughs> depending on a multitude of factors. Eventually. Eventually, more. <laughs> at some point. Jordan your go oh are we doing by campaign yeah yes. stick to the campaign yeah. okay uh so well, my we... first character was mercury atmos uh my poor bard that kind of got screwed in the backstory writing department because i didn't realize that i had to write a backstory so everything that we know about mercury is was written or is being written retroactively <laughs> <laughs> um so mercury was a just a bard he did not have a subclass because i did not know that we had to pick subclasses I don't know. I I would like to think that like it was a he was a pretty stereotypical bard in like the theatrical and charismatic, but I was not the horny bard stereotype, which I thought was interesting because we did have a horny bard stereotype in our party. So it was fun to have the two of them kind of balance each other out of like TBT being like, 
I'm gonna go uh, do things to Arnold and then Mercury being like, we have other things to do. <laughs> Priorities, time and Priorities. place. Priorities, come on guys. <laughs> this so, yeah, is but- my priority. <laughs> But yeah, I, I do. I love Mercury. He was my first character. He was my first long-lived character because we had done other, we had played other games before, but I, that's also the other reason that I didn't write a backstory for him initially was because the campaigns that we had played before had never lasted more than like three sessions and they had never, they'd always been like combats. We had never done story and role-playing and things like that. So um, he didn't really get he didn't really get a whole lot of backstory until midway through the campaign. I started writing like short stories for him. Um, he had a journal that I kept entries for him in. Uh, so basically his, the only backstory that he had was his name was Mercury Atmos. He was a bard raised in like a traveling merchant thing. And his bard partner had recently died. I didn't even give a reason for why she died. All I knew is she was dead. That was, (laughs) That was that was Mercury in a nutshell. And then he actually did some pretty cool things in, in world. So yeah, Mercury has a special place in my heart. That's what I was gonna ask you next is um well I know I know you and I both went pretty bare bones for our first Vivia character mm-hmm. for backstory, but um you, I, you had the di- pleasure, displeasure of your surviving the whole way. Yeah. So you had to be really attached. Um, uh, which I think that that had an interesting effect because he definitely had more character in the second half of Vivia One. Yeah. Because there was this element of like, why am I still here? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Survivor's guilt. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was going to ask now, I mean, obviously we didn't have a whole lot of expectations going into it, but how was your perception or your idea of Mercury before we started like like during character creation and like to the compared to how he was by the time campaign was over did he change drastically from what you had envisioned or I think he definitely became a lot more human by the end of the campaign because like I said Mm -hmm. before he was kind of like your stereotypical bard of like a little bit vapid mostly just I'm here for the good story and that's Mm -hmm. why I'm here and then by the end, it was a little bit more like all of these people that I've known and loved mm-hmm. are gone and I'm still here, but I'm still here. So I, they're not going to be gone because mm-hmm. I'm going to talk about them and tell people about them and tell, tell the story of my adventuring party. And so he, he became a little bit more of a real person yeah. by the end of it. There was a little bit more character development in the not just, hee hee, bard, yay. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Jackson Bard coming soon. <laughs> That'll be Taryn's next character. <laughs> the hee hee Bard. The hee hee Bard. He would. <laughs> he would. It's my turn. I that brings us to. Yes. Yeah. I'm going to try and rapid fire since I have three to talk about. You do. <laughs> so, first we had Shanae, which I believe I've already mentioned at some point in this podcast. I really like evil stuff. I like evil <laughs> characters. I love evil. Austin Powers reference. Uh, <laughs> So I went with Shanae, which I've already talked about. I'm upset because first off, weeb moment. I named him after Japanese. His name was uh-huh. Shanae Gami. Second embarrassment, mistranslated because I wasn't that smart yet. So instead of saying death god, Shinigami, his name was Shinae Gami, which is die god. <laughs> but not like a command. That just, like noun, noun. <laughs> like, so yeah. <laughs> Didn't like the name too much. Wish I could have changed that. Did we weren't playing with like race class rules hard and fast like nor like like they actually are. So I had a he was a dark elf, not a drow, but a dark elf. I envisioned him as having really pale, 
purplish skin, bald, big cape, um, over the top evil. I just wanted to do evil, silly stuff just for fun's sake and also to be like a foil to the good guy characters, either the NPCs or the fellow PCs to make them be like, why am I not killing this guy right now? <laughs> had, a grow- had a lot of fun with him because I just got to pretty much do whatever I wanted because he was chaotic evil, turned neutral evil. Also didn't know warlocks were a thing, so he was a cleric, even though he definitely should have been a warlock. Then we got Ulok, took his place, and it's a rule of mine. Whenever a, an evil character of mine dies, next one that comes has to be a good character, so I made a neutral good character, Ulok. His name, I liked his name a lot, Ulok Hata which I got from actual Norse, um, and that meant, let's see if I remember, it was something like outsider hater, but it was not to be like, I hate people outside of my country. It's supposed to be, because his whole thing was he hated demons. He hated oh, the people. yeah. So his name came from Norse for like outsider hater or something like that. I really liked what I did with the story, but I also feel like in retrospect, it was kind of like a DM trap kind of thing, or like, like a bad evil trap kind of thing where it was like, hey, DM, I want my character to have like lived for eternally, uh, but he's not overpowered, I swear. But, <laughs> but I feel like it worked in the end anyway. He didn't feel overpowered. He wasn't especially strong. I didn't say make him, you know, super strong. I was just like, make him having lived for thousands of years <laughs> and went yeah. into retirement. Liked his story a lot. He... Lived for a super long time because he got cursed by a devil to live forever and live in anguish. And so people died around him all the time and he never died. And so he went and lived by himself for a long, long time. Then he adopted a girl that he saved out in the wilderness. And then she also died is what he thought. Um, Yeah. And then he was like, all right, now I'm going to take action and go fight devils. And then he joined the party. He was fun as well because I got to be really silly with him. I wanted him to be a good character that wasn't like super uptight all the time and was like i just want to have a good time and make people happy kind of good hence him being neutral good um did kill a character with that one did kill a pc with that character not the evil one (laughs) which is hilarious considering that your evil character tried intensely (laughs) but yeah horrible circumstance happened later ulok doesn't die which was thematically fitting but it wasn't like he'd didn't die out of theme it was he didn't die out of luck uh, of dice rolls but he didn't die and a bunch of the pcs died around him and it was like wow let's do a that's a heart-wrenching moment so i retired him because he didn't have legs and he didn't have a will either (laughs) he was like i can't go on (laughs) and this was before the battle the battle wheelchair came out (laughs) yes (laughs) then i brought in uh rimu also (laughs) japanese themed um oh, Remu. not a lot for that one that was just i needed a new character and i wanted to try out a spellcaster because ulok was a fighter and ulok was fun to play to role play not that fun in combat even though we weren't playing right but still <laughs> um you know it, it wasn't as fun so i wanted to be a sorcerer and i made that a lot more fun it was a support sorcerer so i like hasted people enlarged people uh, what was that really cool one that I did with the Baylors? It was the reverse gravity. Yes. Oh, and God. it worked so much better because you had so many different concentration spells going at the same time. Because <laughs> <laughs> we didn't know how to play. <laughs> yeah. So those are my favorite one characters. Nice. I tried to rapid fire them. Uh, Rima, there's not a whole lot to talk about. Yeah. Rima wasn't that great. There uh, is something. Rima was only there for a short time because Rima was kind of like Artorias where it was like the last stretch. Yeah. And so it was kind of like, oh, these people are here now. <laughs> Off to fight the bad guys. <laughs> yeah. 
there is one thing to talk about, but I'm not going to say what it is so that the audio listeners have to anguish and try to figure out what it is, but we three know what it is. <laughs> you'll, have to find you? out, you'll have to find out uh, during the Vivia 1 retelling. <laughs> Ooh, I did want to mention uh, one cool thing I did with Rimu. I've had various naming conventions throughout every single one of my characters. Uh, Rimu's name was actually an anagram. I forget what Rimu's last name was, but the mm-hmm. whole name came from the word Timorous. To be what? shy and stuff. Oh, yeah. I've never heard that. Yeah. Well, I was looking up synonyms. <laughs> I had to go to a thesaurus. Timorous? Um, Timorous. Timorous. Yeah. Because um, I knew that I wanted to have a very shy, not wasn't outspoken it, character after Ulok. Wasn't it Soto? Wasn't that the last name? Yes. Rimu Soto. Yep. Timorous. Showing <laughs> or suffering from nervousness, fear, or lack of confidence. <laughs> yep. That's fun. And I was going to proceed with that, but then I was like, it, this is too difficult. <laughs> it was my really funny that your character was obsessed with TJ. I- <laughs> yeah, I, I, TJ was new to the group and I like latching <laughs> onto him to force him into awkward situations. That's very like, funny. Uh, Ulok being the one that's like, he's constant the one, one. that casts real, yeah, constant <laughs> one. He casts real magic. And then Remo being like, I love you. I just like <laughs> making him have, forcing him to RP in different ways because he was new. <laughs> Yeah, that's my character. Did you guys have any questions about any of those? Um, Anything you've ever wondered about my characters? I I, I kind of think that you should talk about a little bit uh, the ending, like the actual ending of Ulok, that conversation, because that was one of my favorite moments at the end of Vivia mm-hmm. 1, other than him getting pushed down the stairs before he got pushed down the stairs. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very sweet and tender moment before TJ pushed you down the stairs. <laughs> um, let me see if I can remember how well I can remember it. So Ulok was cursed to live forever, mm-hmm. but then the party kind of got rid of, sort of got rid of the, the devil that had cursed him and had ended the conflict. So then his age caught up with him rapidly and he was decaying, but he got to have some final words with TJ's character at the end there, John Constantine. Um, and, it, and it was just like, a, oh, you guys did good. I can't remember what else he said, though. But it was nice to have like some closure for his character because he was like, finally, I can be at peace. Mm-hmm. I'm at rest now because you guys were able to free me. And I know you guys are going to do good. <gasps> Descends <laughs> to heaven into dust. <laughs> down the stairs. Pushes down the stairs. <laughs> um, oh, I did want to mention because no one ever actually brought it up. Like everyone ever, no one ever asked me about Shanae's backstory. Mm-hmm. He wasn't really a backstory character, though. He was a four-story kind of character. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. I didn't know that I he had a backstory. There was. Yeah, it's not that crazy. Like I said, he was pretty stereotypically evil, so they gave him a stereotypically evil background. Yeah, he was yeah. uh, shunned as a child because he took an interest in magic, and the rest of his family was like, ha-ha, dummy, you're not supposed to like magic. So then he went to magic school by himself, and then people there mocked him and bullied him. And then he was like, mm, I hate these people. And then he found a cult that was like, hey, we like you for being yourself. And he was like, what? <laughs> really? You can do that? <laughs> um, and so he joined the cult of uh, evil bad guy group. <laughs> wow. So you could have actually played the game of if the party were good people to him and made him feel welcome, he could have found a family and then got rid of the being evil side. Yep. Oops. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but instead they enabled me (laughs) well 
wow. No, we didn't enable you. We just kind of made fun of you. <laughs> exactly. So your background is Megamind except the cult part. Yes. That's pretty of... much Megamind up until the cult. Oh my gosh, yes. he is Megamind. <laughs> <laughs> he went to magic school. <laughs> no underlings? No. <laughs> Oh, you're a villain, all right. No Just concubines. Not a super one. <laughs> What's the no difference? Concubines. Presentation. Uh, Sinesh yeah, he, behind him. Presentation. Yeah, he was a super weak bad guy. Like he was definitely cartoon morning Saturday morning cartoon villain. Not. I'm not gonna uh, lie. He reminded me of like the villains from the Powerpuff Girls. <laughs> yeah. He was not really like. <laughs> a real like scary intricate complex villain guy he was <laughs> silly he, he was, was like just, skeletor he was a dick to be a dick most yes. of the time <laughs> yeah which i love that <laughs> you could use your powers to bring people back from the dead i don't want to bring people back from the dead but i want he, to be a dick to people <laughs> he did he did technically bring someone back from the dead <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah that's that's my characters from vivia one uh, took up a lot of time there but i had three of them <laughs> <laughs> All right. Do we want to do Olympus now or Vivia 2? Uh, we did start Olympus before Vivia 2. That's no, true. we didn't. <laughs> what? We started, we did the first session of Vivia the weekend of, Mar it was, we did the first session of Vivia on March 13th, 2020. And then like two weeks later, we started Olympus. But I feel like we did so much more of Olympus before we got into I mean, the that's true. But if we want to talk like, Actually, chronologically, but yeah, I would agree that we I think we should start Olympus. with, I think we should go Olympus next. All right, Olympus. All right. Same thing, Levi. We're still playing Olympus we right are. now, actually. Yeah. We are level 11 characters. Yeah. It is intended to be a 1 to 20 campaign, yeah. I believe. I'm not the yeah. DM. Uh, Pertusit is DMing this one, so he gets yeah. to do the favorite NPC one for this. Yeah. I can mention my PC. Yeah. So. The baby killer. If you haven't grasped it yet audio listeners i'm the guy who likes being a good guy i'm the guy who likes being a hero like i'm playing in a fantasy world i want to save people and possibly save the world but it doesn't necessarily have to be that it just being a good person that's my fantasy so play paladin my um I have this stereotype of being the paladin guy because I really like the vibes of paladins, but I actually have only, this is my longest running paladin character I've ever played. Other than this one, I've only played a paladin up to level four, unless you count NPCs, but I don't count NPCs. So Zamda, Zamda Rusin, is kind of inspired by Arthurian legend, kind of not. At the same time, she's, she's taken her own way as the story's gone on. But the whole idea for this character was um, I also wanted to play a human because I wanted to be boring and I wanted to play, not actually, I really like humans. In <laughs> fantasy settings, I really like humans. Uh, but I wanted to play a human. And in Pertusit's homebrew setting, and we've mentioned this before, but pretty much all the humans are like wiped out and gone. There's a small handful left. There's less than a hundred left in this world. Yeah. And so... Having that been said, I asked Pertusit, I was like, oh, could I be like, were the, first of all, I was like, were the humans a monarchy? And he was like, yes, the humans were a monarchy. So they had like, they had a noble class, they had nobility. And he was like, yes, they had nobility. So I was like, oh, so could I be like a daughter of a noble family? And I don't remember where I got this idea from, but I had the idea that I wanted to be like Moses, but in reverse. 
pretty much, which is reverse Moses. I was the daughter of an extremely wealthy and affluent family. And then the disaster, which came and wiped out humanity came and my family river basketed me away. And I ended up with a very, not like poverty stricken, but like below average wealth family that took me in and raised me as one of their own, which is exactly what happened. Uh, But also it ended up not just being nobility. I just took the extra mile and I was like, could I just straight up be the last daughter of the king and queen of the human kingdom? And Pertus was like, sure, let's do it. So my character is, is the um long lost heir stereotype i am the the last heir to the kingdom and i'm trying to reclaim uh, my throne but also she didn't know that for the for a time she got it revealed to her and then at first she got really excited about it and got like really over her head with it a little bit and then now that we've been playing for a while uh she's dumbed it down a little not dumbed it down but like she's gotten a little bit more strategic about it she's trying to be more strategic about it play her cards right to get to that goal um and her goal has shifted more so from wanting to be queen to actually trying to save mankind since there's only like 40 of us left on the planet and she doesn't want her entire she doesn't want her entire species to go extinct so now she shifted more to well i'm supposed to be the leader of these people so what can i do to save them is now more of her goal but yeah she I've toyed with a bunch of different ideas with her because at first I was like, oh, she's just going to be a bread and butter hero. But then some stuff happened <laughs> and I ended up killing a child. <laughs> Don't you hate it when that happens? Which, and, which my character loves to tell everybody that we meet about. <laughs> and then I was like, okay, this turn of events is going to make her extremely pessimistic and she's going to hate religion because it was her God that told her to kill the child. So she was like, she's going to hate the God. She's going to become like, I don't know what you would call it because atheist is you deny the God, but like pretty much atheist, but like a hostile atheist where she knows the gods exist, but she's like, you're stupid and I hate you. <laughs> you're aggressively you denying them. And yeah. an anti-theist. How yes, about that? <laughs> anti-theist. She, she did that for a little bit. And then as the story progressed, she started to come back around and was like, okay, they have some merit and value. They're all still shitheads though, but some of the things they stand for aren't so bad. So she is no longer an anti-theist. And then as the story's progressed even more and things have happened, she's been like, okay, there aren't as many people in this world as I thought that can stand up to all the problems like me and my friends have, even though we're also just a bunch of idiots, but we're pretty strong idiots and we're going around solving stuff. So maybe we should like actually try to solve people's issues and be good people. So then she went from being a pessimist to more of like a pragmatist and now I think she's starting in the recent arcs we've been going through, she's starting to come around to being more of an optimist again. She's starting to get back to her original self, but like now it's like a more well-rounded version instead of the very naive version of the original self. Character arc. Yeah. <laughs> Except it's character circle. It's yeah. Character <laughs> loop. Yeah. It's the hero's journey. But yeah. 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 All right. I was going to ask you how you feel about the evolution of Zamda, but you've pretty much addressed that already. <laughs> Do you like it? Mm. I mm. very much have enjoyed... Sorry, I was joking <laughs> something. Um, I was there for every, every different shift and turn that it took. I was immediately like, oh, this is going to be interesting. I'm excited for this. But 
I think I'm happiest with it as it seems to have progressed to this point. I think mm-hmm. I very much enjoy the more of at her heart, she's a good person. So I'm happy that it's come back around, I think. <laughs> I won't lie early on for, for our watchers and listeners alike. Uh, <laughs> um, when we started this on, it was a long time ago and it was very sporadic that we played my campaign. It was split up a lot because uh, of the world situation that went on. <laughs> and so I was, I was definitely still a noob DM uh when we started and a lot of it we are more of an rp heavy group so there's a lot of times when levi's character zamda being the good guy character i was like "Ooh, i want to force that character into harder decisions and harder situations so off the cuff i would come up with something that negates the good guy logic and would have to Mm -hmm. make you think more about your decision uh even though it might mess with my world building because i was too i was too obsessed with making you have a nuanced situation than i was with making sense (laughs) as we went on now i've done it less because i'm like well this doesn't need twists anymore i don't need to twist it you have been through the ringer enough (laughs) yeah um i'll still throw some can only take so much (laughs) (laughs) but it's not gonna be nearly as fast and loose as it was before like kill a child it's the good thing to do (laughs) (laughs) but that's an early example of exactly that Mm. Uh, destroy the child (laughs) Save them all. <laughs> well, yeah, that's Zamda. Jordan, what do you think about Zamda? Uh, I, well, if we're speaking from Arlo's perspective, Zamda's my best friend in the entire world and I love her so much. And oh my God, we're the best of friends. And also we have other people that travel with us and it should go on and on and on. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really like Zamda's character development. And I think that it's been very interesting to see because at the beginning, I don't think Zamda was very partial to anybody in the group because we were no. all garbage people yeah <laughs> definitely now even though she probably wouldn't say it out loud in front of everyone else zamda and arlo which is jordan's character are probably the closest two people in the mm-hmm. group i'd say yeah especially according to arlo yeah <laughs> very much so according to arlo yes <laughs> and according to i don't know dionysus no <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, let's go to you, Jordan. Let's talk about We Arlo. share PTSD over We Dionysus. do share PTSD. <laughs> <laughs> We're trauma bonded now, buddy. Yeah, uh, <laughs> my turn with the PTSD stick. No, <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, goodness. What could be said about Arlo? Uh, <laughs> what um, couldn't? What couldn't be said about Arlo? I, I just I just turn my brain off whenever I play Arlo. <laughs> so I don't really know half the things that I say when I'm playing Arlo. Uh, um, in her original concept, Arlo was a former Dionysus cultist um, because I went for, uh, I can never remember how to pronounce it. Pertuzza knows how to pronounce it, but I only read the word, so I don't know how to pronounce it. The the cultist- the Mayanad? The, Mayanad, yes. Mayanad, um, Mayanad, one of was the <laughs> Was the legend of the Mayanad, um, which were the, the crazy Dionysus cultists who were women that were so devoted to the cult of Dionysus that they- basically drank themselves into this frenzy and would rend people limb from limb and so that's kind of what I based Arlo off of was was this myth of these crazy women who were so devoted to the Dionysus cult that they lost all sense of reason and so basically Arlo was one of these women who then snapped out of it one day and was like oh dear god what's what's going on and ran away and the cult did not like this very much. And so that's kind of where her story started. And we've gotten some uh, tidbits here and there that maybe 
the reason that the cult was mad may be a little bit more nuanced than just yeah. nobody leaves. Arlo is probably out of all of us the one who has had the least amount of their backstory. I don't think revealed, but explained. Mm-hmm. There, we've gotten a decent chunk of Arlo's backstory revealed, but definitely not all of it explained. Yet. Yeah, and we're more than halfway through, <laughs> according to our levels, at least. <laughs> well, and part of that is is due to the fact that I. Whereas Mercury didn't have very much of a backstory, Arlo had a very fleshed out like character profile, but I left a lot of the backstory open because A, I didn't know what Pertuzit had planned for the Dionysus cult. So I didn't know if it was going to be like a, she kind of blew this out of proportion in her mind or if it was like, oh, it's way worse than anybody could ever expect. Turns out it's way worse than anybody could B. ever expect. It was B, yeah. So, Answer so B. now even I don't know some of the stuff that happened to her in the cult so i kind of we we kind of play it as like it's her life has been so traumatic that she has repressed a lot of it and so a lot of her experience and she does know she does know to some extent she knows the things that she did and she knows a lot of the things that happened to her but she can't really talk about it because it's just so like she kind of goes catatonic anytime it's brought up which uh brings us to arlo's drug problem <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't have any that's the problem no I'm yeah yeah that's <laughs> the problem because fucking zamda flushed my stash <laughs> i did do that once <laughs> but um but Ar- but the the thing is also arlo is not just does not just have a drug problem it's far more nuanced than that but right now it's kind of played as like, oh, the crazy satyr has a drug problem. But there's there's a reasoning for it. And there is a story reason for it, at least in my brain. But it hasn't been really brought to light. The, the funny thing about Arlo is she does not drink. She very staunchly does not drink, but she will do any drug you put in front of her. <laughs> I believe last session we played, something was brought up about that where some character was like, you want to drink? And you were like, oh, no, I don't drink. That's horrible for you. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. That's horrible for you. Uh, it was uh, Reiko was like hey, Dionysus, and I just went no, yeah, <laughs> just straight face. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's Arlo. Oh, also Arlo is a satyr because I followed instructions and did not play a human. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, you're doing a Greek campaign. What do you want to play? He I made some homeboys. <laughs> he didn't say don't play a human. He said please, I don't want you to, but it's okay if you do. But please, there don't. is a suspicious so amount I, of humans in the non-human so I campaign. Said, hmm, I think I would play human. That's how I get three PCs that were humans. I'm a good player and I followed directions and didn't play. He didn't permit it. He just very heavily suggested against it. I know. I just like making the joke that there are 20 humans and we know all of them. (laughs) But also, to be fair to me, I thought I was going to be the only one. Because that was my story. I was like, I'm the last of my line and I have to save what remains of my people. And it's like, I'm Hector. I'm also human. Oh, hey, Hector. I'm darkness. I'm also human. (laughs) Oh, hey, darkness. (laughs) I'm darkness's entire family. We're six of the remaining humans. (laughs) Oh, man. Um, I do love bringing this part up. Uh, What is your guys' theory about Methus and Arlo's connection? Well, why don't you share that? Oh, I think they're definitely related. (laughs) Methus, for the audio listeners. (laughs) <laughs> Methus is the Dion. Well, last was. we knew of, was the Dionysus cult leader. He was the head of the cult. Well, the the cult that Arlo, the, yeah, the branch the, that the Arlo sect, was from, yeah, the sect that Arlo was from. He was the leader, and we hope 
He killed him. I, I don't think he's gone. We're going to gonna come up again. Zamda's parents got kidnapped because we basically kept avoiding him when he was like, I want Arlo, give me Arlo. And we basically just kept like leaving him on red and not replying to him I'm at all. Um, <laughs> and so then he found us when we were in my hometown, kidnapped my adoptive parents. Uh, Zamda got really angry. That was one of those moments in the story where like Zamda's character changed because something happened big to her. That's like my we, favorite thing that's happened in the entire campaign it was, was that mm, night. That was the was, best. It was really good. Yeah. Um, so then Zamda and Arlo and another PC, Hector, hunted down the Dionysus cult and fought him and really tense battle that uh, almost, we almost did not win. We mm. killed Methus, but then Dionysus came and was like, I don't want it to be over yet. This is fun. So he possessed Methus, brought him back and like supercharged and made him more powerful. Mm -hmm. And then we had to fight him again. And then we barely by the skin of our teeth got him. And we disposed of the corpse. Like we, I, I don't even and remember actually, we burned it. We, we did burn burned and it. And I, I would like to mention at this thing, because there was a point at the end of that fight, Arlo could have had the last hit on Methus and did not take it to save Zamda, which I think is a very big character moment for Arlo. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Also throughout that fight, Methus never targeted Arlo. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. Um, and in context, leading up to that fight, we were trying to find out Methus, some yeah. of Methus's weaknesses. And we learned about how he became the cult leader pretty much and his whole family and all this stuff that happened before. And at the end of the fight, he uh, he called out to Arlo, but didn't call her Arlo. Called nope. her a different name, which I Myra. Was Myra, which was the name of his daughter yep. who got killed supposedly. Well, that he killed. <laughs> yeah, that he killed according to his journal. And he said, "Myra, you're so beautiful," and then died. Mm -hmm. And so I, as as Levi, 100% convinced that Methus uh, is. I think he's still there, out there somewhere. I oh, I fully alive. believe he is. Is. Arlo's dad and Arlo is Myra and somehow that situation didn't go exactly how it's described in his mm -hmm. journal and that's not true as Leva or as as Zamda Zamda really Zamda probably thinks well that was probably Arlo's dad but we killed him <laughs> <laughs> so Zamda's like, yeah, I want to believe that he is dead, so I'm going to believe that he is dead. That's what Zamda thinks. Same thing as me, except for the him being alive part, pretty mm. much. I don't know. I, I, me, I think he's definitely there, definitely related, and he's definitely still out there. The thing about Arlo is, is she is not entirely convinced that that is what she heard because she has a very hard time trusting her own mind. So yeah. in the back of her head, she's still like. I I think that's what I heard mm -hmm. and I think that's what happened but I know myself to be my own unreliable narrator mm -hmm. <laughs> and so there are a lot of things there are a lot of just like points in Arlo's stories and in other people's stories where she's just like I think this is what's going on but genuinely it could be something else because I don't I she can't conceptualize and so that's kind of but the thing is Arlo is smarter than a lot of people and even she gives herself credit for. True, very true. Arlo is much smarter than a lot of people think and part of that is intentional on the part of Arlo and part of that is Arlo not <laughs> being thinking lucky. that she's Very recently Arlo has pulled some smart stuff which mm -hmm. is uh is shown a little bit more like 
basically we've run into some people where we're doing a lot of more RP heavy sessions recently and there's some intrigue going on. There's some secret spilling and some secret keeping trying to be had. And uh, Arlo has been pretty active in that, especially in the most recent session. So, mm-hmm. although it has makes been by nervous because I have a plan that I won't tell him. Does make me very nervous, <laughs> but I don't think that Jordan or Arlo would do anything that is against the party's interests mm-hmm. per se. No. So I'm safe in that regard that much <laughs> i just worried about what it's going to be because she won't tell me <laughs> well and arlo has the tendency to say things that should be that she she tends to say the quiet part loud yeah yes. <laughs> this is Zamda. she killed the child yeah that was the joke <laughs> that we had for a while <laughs> so yeah oh, that's arlo she's my she's my uh, wonderful little crackpot Yes. Oh, she, I don't know if I I don't know if I uh, mentioned this, but she is a cleric barbarian multi class, which yeah. is fun. <laughs> I'm just a paladin, guys. <laughs> um, and I wouldn't change either of them for the world. <laughs> Would you change any of the other three though? Oh, I, you, on you a, can like tell on us. a dime, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Not even Iris. I think Iris is evolving in a great way. I I would agree with that. I love Iris. (laughs) I think Taryn being a little greedy, like nosy goblin, has made him have a character arc that (laughs) that he and I both are enjoying. Mm. No, he did. He did a really. He does a really good job of playing Iris, and I really like the way his greedy nosy goblin. (laughs) What do you eat? Context to come later, I suppose. <laughs> Taryn is the richest <laughs> member of our party. Let's just leave it at that. Yeah. <laughs> I was talking about the uh, if you look at it on DD Beyond, it kills you, sword. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's also true. <laughs> Brief context I make a lot of homebrew items. Sometimes my players like to go on DD Beyond and, and like search for my homebrew items and get like spoilers. So I made an item that if anybody finds it in the description, it says, if you know of this item outside of the game, your character dies. Taryn found that item. Okay, but I, I want a clarification on that. You say players, you mean Taryn and TJ. <laughs> yeah, and Levi sometimes. And but me, I think some, Levi has I, been staunched. <laughs> I, once this item was revealed, I was like, I'm never doing it again. I've learned my lesson. <laughs> <laughs> Once producer told us that this item existed, I was like, all right, you have reformed me, and I haven't done it since. But anyway, now it's 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 my time to talk about my favorite Olympus NPC. Yes. Um, so you two could probably guess pretty quickly which mm-hmm. one is my favorite. The one that I have the most fun with, the one that I love the most. What would you think? Who you who you think it would be? Uh the man himself, Terexo. Levi? Yeah, I was going to guess Terexo as well. It's Terexo. Okay. <laughs> okay. I love Terexo. In my world, Terexo the fourth is the son of the leader of the elf oligarchy. Um, Terexo the third, naturally. Uh, the elven oligarchy, Zotica. There's like They have a council called the Highest. Terexo the third led this council. He was like the main leader of the council of the Highest. And Terexo the fourth was the son and it is stated this is not like a hereditary position. He's not going to inherit it. I can't say too much about Terexo because spoilers, because they're not there yet. Oh, you could. We though. don't trust <laughs> him. That's the we, entire um, party thinks he's sus. Yeah, I've mega played him sus to be a little sus because I want him. I want everyone to question him. Why is he doing what he's doing? What is he? What does he want? I've played him in just enough of a way that he has secret goals and objectives that the party doesn't know about, and they are sus of him. 
but they don't know necessarily what his real intentions are. They just yeah. know that it's sus. We he's don't know if something. it's bad or not. So yeah. we can't be like, he's a bad guy. We got to get him. So mm-hmm. we're trying to figure out what he's doing so that we can figure out if he's a bad guy or not. Yes. Which oh, Arlo's ready him. to kill him on sight. <laughs> <laughs> um, which is part of the reason I love him. The other part is when they actually interact with him, he's just a goofball. He will say the dumbest stuff and admit secrets immediately if asked about them. Now, whether or not he's telling the truth, you know, is another It's also sus. But he will just talk and he will say things and he'll be silly. His verbal components for one of his spells is, uh, is it Baba Booey? Yeah. It's Baba, Baba Booey, Booey for Baba teleport. <laughs> for teleport is Baba Booey. <laughs> And he's helpful. He literally saved Arlo's life at one point. He did. That's like she was actually dead. Yeah. (laughs) He used uh, resurrection, seventh level resurrection on her. Mm -hmm. Um, And he helped them escape Zotica. However, he has now now usurped the throne of Zotica and slain the oligarchy and has turned it into more of a, I don't know, Levi, you're more familiar with that. What would that be? Not quite a monarchy, is it? Uh, well, if he's not intending to have it be hereditary, it would be a dictatorship. Yeah, he's turned it into a dictatorship. Um, he's ruling Zodica by himself now. Yeah. Uh, he call, he goes by a scion. He's the scion. <clears throat> and they've all been invited to a dinner party soon. <laughs> yeah, game like in, in game time, it's like in a month and a half it's now. It's on I Fantasy think. Christmas. Yes. It's on Pertuzza's birthday. <laughs> 1225 on the calendar. <laughs> but yeah i love him he's fun to play because when he uh, when he shows up not only can i just talk in a silly way and do whatever <laughs> i want but also every time i talk to the players no matter what i say is Cherexo, when he leaves everyone's like now what did he mean yeah <laughs> <laughs> and i love that i can do that with this character <laughs> all of us are immediately like what did he mean by that? I what did, what did he mean? We, I'm pretty sure there's probably some things that we've horribly over uh, thought and Definitely. some things that we have probably under Absolutely as well. there is. Um, Arlo doesn't great... think. Arlo only swings. <laughs> Arlo can't read. My other great fun for him is I can use him as a tool occasionally to do whatever. Uh, there was a time whenever Arlo needed to go find Zamda. And so I was like, oh, yeah. well, Terexo would be keeping tabs on all the players. He casts Scrying. He sees Arlo by herself. He teleports to Arlo, helps her find Zamda, teleports away. That was <laughs> immediately after Zamda's folks got kidnapped, too. That was at night, and he just found Arlo stoned out of her mind wandering in the wilderness. Yes, and that's not- another reason why we're sus is because we know yes. because of this that he scries us. Yeah. Not so only- we're like, why is he watching yeah. us? Not only was it a, oh, let me speed Jordan's character along to go with Levi's character so we can get this underway. It was also a, now this is making them think, why did he do that? Or, <laughs> how does he know where you are? So I mean, that was pretty answered pretty quickly. But, <laughs> uh, you know, why didn't he just kill Arlo if that's his goal, you know? Mm-hmm. Or, or mm-hmm. why didn't he lead her somewhere else if he wanted her to go somewhere else, you know? Mm-hmm. He helped. Why? <laughs> <laughs> It's so even more Turek. sinister that he's playing the good guy right now. Yeah, Terexo the Fourth, which, by the way, he has a last name. One second. He does, and I can never remember what it is because we always just call him because he's like one of he's one of four Terexos. Yeah, Seaman. 
<laughs> That's who called him that? Was that Dylan? Dylan. No, Dylan yeah. called him T Man because Dylan T-Man. thought it was Torex. Because he didn't. He thought it was well, Torex. That's and right. then I when did we corrected too. him, then he called him C Man. <laughs> yeah. I also thought it was it was spelled with a T before you actually like spelled it out for us. <laughs> I um, have always known how it's spelled because I always ask you to write down <laughs> names. Uh, his last name Good is little Demetrius. Correcto <laughs> Demetrius the Fourth. Demetrius. And that sounds Levi uh, suspiciously close to another uh, NPC that we met that Levi murdered. Demetrius. <laughs> <laughs> I will never thing. forget Demetrius. That's the I dead know- child's name. <laughs> This is our character creation episode, but I do got to say I love an Olympus when I just use the same name of a character a couple of times because I, I, I abide by that policy where it's like, how many Johns are there in the world? It's totally fine to have NPCs that have the same name. So now we have three Hectors. I think I have like four Jasons sprinkled in there. Um, I do only have one big lover and one son, son of father. I but- can't. And one goat. And one goat. That's the name. Uh, so I do have some fun with my character. But anyway, that's Olympus. That is Olympus. Uh, Olympus. We gotta talk about Vivia too now. V2. I think this is oh, going to be a longer episode. <laughs> good old Vivia 2. Yeah. What can you say about Vivia 2? Successful 1 to 20. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was Vivia 2. It was Vivia 2. Um, Could technically you know, that was, be qualified as our first campaign. That was a uh, Fesh Pence <laughs> reference. What can you say about Carlton? He was Carlton. <laughs> so, Vivia 2. Favorite NPC in Vivia 2. Give me a guess, both of you. Give me a guess. Who do you think is my favorite NPC from Vivia 2? There are a couple. I'm going to go wild card and say Eok. It was absolutely Quillish. I, I actually think it's Belhara. That's my real answer is Belhara, but I'm still sticking with Eok. <laughs> that was my real answer. Oh. <laughs> wow. You're both wrong. It really? was... Um, Optus. Optus was my favorite NPC for me. Oh, Vivia that makes too. sense. That's what I was um, gonna say is a non-joke, but I decided not to. <laughs> Quillish was very entertaining to be. I, I will say, I loved getting to be goblin. Well, not goblin. Chaos goblin. gnome. Goblin gnome, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. Uh, goblin mode, as the kids <laughs> are calling it these days. I think. <laughs> Um, apparently there's like a thing where like 10 year olds are saying they're going goblin mode. It's like that's beast a, that's mode. Yeah. What are they putting in the water? Um, <laughs> goblin juice, I guess. <laughs> so yeah, uh, that was my goblin mode was Quillish. <laughs> but yeah, Optus was ironically a pretty similar story to Zamda, but not Zamda, but without the genocide part. So Optus was the third son of the royal family of the of a kingdom that the player character started in called Rakatan. And briefly, like a couple years before the story began, the kingdom is in a civil war where some religious fundamentalists basically took over the capital city and the main uh, population centers, the big cities of the kingdom. They got them under their control and the royal family was all executed except for Optus, who was the third son, he never believed he was ever going to inherit his position as king because he had two older brothers. Um, So Optus ends up, because he's the third son and like no one thinks he's as important, he ends up escaping and then later finding out that his father was killed. Both of his brothers died in battle trying to fight against these fundamentalists. So now he's the king. So Optus refuses to be crowned king 
because he doesn't want to be crown king until they achieve victory and decides he's going to play the waiting game and like try to build up his forces and then play this long game against these religious fundamentalists and then the campaign begins and the player characters ended up helping him reclaim his throne and his kingdom and he became king again and had an affair with another NPC um, because he had a arranged marriage and he did not want the arranged marriage but still did it but also the wife in the arranged marriage didn't want the arranged marriage so they both just saw other people mutually and just pretended to be a happy couple for the cameras or i guess at the time i don't know uh the portraits the scryers <laughs> um, but yeah optus when i made him i don't even remember what i based optus on i think i just i remember that I had an idea that I was like, I want someone to have a clue on who the BBG is and what they're up to for this. And the BB, because the BBG for Vivia 2 was being extremely secretive, they were hiding their identity um, and trying to weasel their way into like civilized society to basically surprise attack civilized society. They were a demon. And I was like, but I want the people who know who the BBG is or have a clue to be people that would be difficult for the party to end up joining so that they early on could figure out who the BBG is. But I want that option to be there. So I think that's where it started was I made the religious fundamentalist group first. And the religious fundamentalists, a member of their like, high council which oversaw the entire organization was a researcher who because of their religious ideology and they were so deeply devout basically like really obsessively looked into these like sightings of cult members in the area and had actually cracked the code like they had figured it out because they were so obsessive because they were a religious fundamentalist. And so if the party would have sided with them and they were pretty much portrayed as the bad guys in this conflict, in this civil war, then they would have learned very early on who the BBEG was and possibly been able to like nip it in the bud, nip the situation in the bud, not necessarily defeat the BBEG, but definitely stop them from doing a lot of the horrible things that they did over the course of the story. And it was kind of my intention that they wouldn't join these guys because they were being portrayed as the bad guys. But the option was there if they decided that that's the group they wanted to back. And so then because that group was made, then Optus was made because of that. And his whole story was very tragic, very sad to make the party want to join his side more so that they wouldn't join the, the guys that would give them the answers. But also Optus was supposed to be like he wasn't a bad person. He was a good person who was thrust into a situation he was completely unprepared for. And with the help of some good PCs, uh, made it out the other side. And he did survive uh, the horrible BBEG as well. So, yeah, that's Optus. He's very young, too. When he took the throne, he was 18, I believe. Oh, and I he thought he was 19. He, yes, he, he had a French accent because the, that region, the culture was inspired by France, medieval France. <laughs> and sometimes oh. I forgot to do the accent. <laughs> I always love keeping up with Optus. I liked uh, investigating his love life against his will. <laughs> the fun of being an assassin rogue. <laughs> that could turn into an owl. That's yeah, the thing is you never mentioned it to him personally. You only talked to the woman. So he never knew that you knew. 
unless she told him, which she probably didn't. <laughs> well, that's okay. We're keeping it keeping it that way, you know. What I know, what he knows, might be the same, but he doesn't need to know that. <laughs> yeah, I liked Optus. He was a fun introductory person, mm-hmm. and he he worked for the purposes you wanted him to do. He was sympathetic and clearly not a bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> And we so had fun like, with his like magic advisor person. Yep. Yes. <laughs> we love Hearwagon. He had yep. a Aaron Hearwagon who was pretty much his dad since his dad was dead. <laughs> <laughs> because um, he was the advisor to the king before his father passed away. And so he knew Hearwagon very well and was mm-hmm. like the only piece of family he had left. See, from my perspective, I would like to think that Optus found us at least slightly amusing in our antics, but then every time we showed up, it was, Optus was like, oh, hello again, and here Ragan was like, oh, dear God, they're back. Yep, yeah. <laughs> yep, very much. <laughs> yeah, he was fun. Well. So, Mercury. Not Mercury. Mer- wrong, wrong campaign. We're going back. No. <laughs> We're going backwards. There's no more to say about Mercury. I told you, I haven't written it yet. <laughs> What have you written in the time we've been talking about Optus? Yeah. <laughs> no. Atlas. Atlas. Yes. Atlas. Uh, my <laughs> uh, my second character, my first Vivia 2 character, my only Vivia 2 character, because I did not lose a character in this campaign either. Atlas Draven, who was a half-elf spirit medium, which was a homebrew cleric subclass, which was remarkably at the same time broken but also not functional <laughs> you might be asking yourself audio listeners why would why would they be a cleric when when there's a bard subclass that's a spirit medium you see here's the thing um i came up with that well okay the medium subclass is actually from pathfinder like there is actually a medium subclass in pathfinder and this was something I found, it was on a D&D subreddit or something that somebody had made a spirit medium class for 5e. And so originally that's what I played, but we play on D&D Beyond and you cannot make custom classes on D&D Beyond. You can only make subclasses. So Levi and I ended up talking and it, I think it was between a cleric and he was almost a sorcerer was yep. the other option. And we oh, decided that, that cleric fit better. And also because our party did not have a healer. Yeah. Um, so Atlas became a spirit medium cleric and was a very good cleric because he kept the entire goddamn party alive for the entire <laughs> for the entire yep. campaign. But I like playing Atlas. I Atlas, I definitely had a backstory for. I had a very long backstory for Atlas because Atlas was a half-elf who had been dropped on a cleric and was raised by this cleric and then started seeing ghosts and just that was like his whole thing is one day he was like you know i can see the people in the corner and his mentor was like oh no that's not supposed to happen and so yeah atlas trained as a spirit medium and also a cleric it kind of weirdly intersected and then um he was murdered by his best friend And so he went on the run when he miraculously did not die because his mentor pulled some wacky magic shit and brought him back from the dead. Uh, But then he was like, yeah, no, uh, if Valid sees you, that's not going to help your case with him accusing you of witchcraft. So you should probably get out of here. So he went into hiding and then joined the party. So and then he became the cleric and he also then became an archfey. So that's Atlas in a nutshell. That's a shame that Van Richten's came out then after because there was the the custom lineage yep. the, yep. the 
I forget what the re- reborn redid. Reborn. Like that. I thought reborn. about that whenever it came out. I was like, that would have been that would have worked perfectly, and it would have been so cool. But nope, <laughs> the timing we, didn't work out. Yeah, we have the two of us here that started off together as well. That's true. My character. Good segue. 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 Find segue. The no. <laughs> I, I have a, I have a little bit more to say about Atlas, but yes, go because they're very connected. Atlas and Victor. Yeah. Uh, I had a character, Victor. Like I said, my naming conventions changed a lot and for maybe it's let me think if i can remember why i named him victor i just hello yeah i remember everybody else had put their character names in before me and i was like wow <laughs> i'm gonna go with a normal name <laughs> we, we had, had some weird ones we had atlas we had neb we had finral finral leloranus um, Saladin eventually. Saladin eventually. <laughs> Simonius. Simonius. Lyra. Lavender's not too. Bad. No, lavender's no. not too off the wall. We had a lavender, mm-hmm. and then Victor. <laughs> so yeah, I was <laughs> like, oh, and, and Bilalili. is the other one. Yeah, but Bilalili's not a normal name. No. <laughs> so I was like, I saw all like a lot of those names, and I was like, well, shoot. <laughs> no offense, creative. Sure, I don't. One, first off, I don't want people to remember a name like like that, like Lelaratus, and have to be like, yeah, keep saying that. That's my name. You <laughs> other people have to say this name and remember it. <laughs> um, so I was like, yeah, I'm going to go with Victor. <laughs> Simple enough also, but not a lame name. Like I didn't call him John. <laughs> Sorry to all the Johns out there. And no one else would take that name. <laughs> yeah, no. Almost. <laughs> uh, and then his last name's me. Simple enough, honestly. Okay, it became a joke later on, but it was actually, I was like, I want him to have a plain last name too. So let's go with Smith. And I was like, well, ah, Smith's a little, like, first off, it's indicative of black, like a blacksmith. Mm-hmm. And then second off, uh, Smith may not be that common in this world. I'm going to take Smith and change it a bit. S-M-I, <laughs> Smee, S-M-E-E, Smee. <laughs> but then it became a joke where people would say my name and be like, Victor. And I would say, that's me. <laughs> um, unintentional. That was not the intention when I made that last name. But yeah, now, now Victor's creation process. I actually went a lot in depth for when I made Victor. Because again, I like evil characters, but I wanted to be much more nuanced than I was with Shanae. It wasn't a comedic twist, the mustache villain. This was trying to be one that yeah. had a basis. Uh, and this was a, when we were told the synopsis and stuff, there was a lot of religion involved in religious conflicts mm-hmm. and such. And uh, without going into details, I am captivated. I, well, I'm a psychology person and religion and psychology are very like interconnected. And I was like, I kind of want to get the idea of like, like the, I want to go for a character that has taken religion too far, but also not like, um, I don't know, over the top laughably too far. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, so Victor believes in a religion that is uh, similar to Christian beliefs. And so there is a paradise you go to when you die. I was like, okay, let me think of like some flaw. Like, let me think of like an idea of a Christian belief, like something that could be misinterpreted, something that could, you know, not work and thus become kind of villainy, you know? And I was like, well, if you go to paradise when you die, what's to stop someone from eventually thinking, why don't I just kill myself and go straight to paradise? Uh, or why don't I just kill other people and send them to paradise? Mm-hmm. And so that's what his character was born out of is he was like, he was an orphan left in a place that was very hostile to him. And when he learned about paradise, instead of being really sad and depressed by being bullied in the place he was at, 
he was like, oh, I just want to go to paradise. So I'm going to kill myself. And obviously the orphanage was like, whoa, whoa, wait. <laughs> and so they were like, let me try to, they were like, oh, what can we, don't, we need to, um, <laughs> they were like, what do we say to make this kid not do it again? This happened when he was like 11. Um, and they were like, you, you, you have to live a full life and you have to do good deeds to, to go to paradise. He was like, oh, I'm so silly. Thanks. <laughs> thanks, teach or preach. You got me. Uh, <laughs> I won't do it again. And then orphans started coming to the orphanage that were like, yeah, I lived a long, you know, I went everywhere. My parents dropped me off here now because they died or something. He was like, <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying you lived a full happy life? <laughs> Is that what you're saying? <laughs> and it started with one. He killed one. And it was a very, he, it was like a breaking moment where he was like, I've done a bad thing, but I can't recognize I did a bad thing. So I'm going to repress this and treat it as if I did a good thing and mm-hmm. continue doing it. And so <laughs> as he grew up at that orphanage for the next uh, 12 years after the incident, he killed 24 or 27, 27 children at that orphanage, buried them in a barn nearby that wasn't being used. Then the barn got sold. Someone went in to check it. Children body. <laughs> and then the town was like who did this and victor was like hey that's me yeah my handiwork yeah and they were like what and he was like paradise and then they were like pitchfork torch get him (laughs) and so he fled and then came north and found the party and he found this person that could speak to dead people uh and he was like hey can you see if like my old friends are in paradise (laughs) that was the first interaction because atlas had a booth in the like a fortune telling booth in the um town that we started in because that's where he had been hiding out after his exodus from his hometown Mm -hmm. and so victor had approached this booth and was like yeah can you talk to my old girlfriend uh and so atlas channels the old girlfriend and she's like no it's cold and dark and i'm miserable and i hate it here (laughs) victor just had to be like ah this problem this person's probably a phony That is then, true. Yeah, that's true. Because you didn't think that Atlas could actually talk to ghosts for a hot minute. Because of that, yeah. Also, I just want to point out that Victor probably didn't help racial relations between the elves and humans who already had bad racial relations at that point. Mm-hmm. And then the story gets spread around. This human has been murdering children yeah. in our town. Like We have a lot in common, Levi. <laughs> <laughs> Yours was intentional, though. I did not no. <laughs> set out to kill the child. <laughs> well hey i mean my god told me to do it too <laughs> <laughs> i will say um, with the with the theme of religion in, in vivia too that that was another thing that that was very interesting with atlas's thing because since atlas was a spirit medium he was a cleric but he did not have a god mm-hmm. and so that became kind of a a thing in the later parts of vivia too yeah. was that uh the gods kind of took notice of that and was like hey that's you're not supposed to be able to do that how can you do that it's that and, meme of uh trump going <laughs> you're not supposed to do that <laughs> so yeah and then that that ended up um being how he ended up becoming a fay uh, an arch fay in the end is because he struck a not i wouldn't say a pact but kind of an agreement with titania because it wasn't it was more of a like it, originally it was like a for show thing but then it became more of a functional like more of a functional god and like patron relationship yeah because yeah if i mean anyone who knows how clerics work in D, think about it for a second right you're a god and you're like oh i have my clerics i have my devotees this is so great and then you hear one day hey there's a guy that's doing all those things that your clerics are doing for free <laughs> he, he doesn't need any of that stuff that you're giving your clerics 
you're like, come again. Uh, <laughs> get him. So you're either going to want to take this person for yourself or get rid of them so that it doesn't become a thing and people just abandon you mm-hmm. and leave you to rot on the side of the road because they don't need you for your magic juice anymore. <laughs> uh, but also the gods did not know that there were some special circumstances that made Atlas the way they were. And it wasn't just a thing that everyone could do. But that still didn't make it so that they did not want to kill Atlas. So yeah. Atlas had to get a uh, some protection. And yes. so she went to the Fey Queen, the Summer Queen. Yeah. yeah. And we crisscrossed there because you had a godless cleric and I had a godded rogue. Yes, <laughs> which was very funny. Yeah. Although they were only they were only godded with the sauce for like the first half <laughs> yeah. of the campaign because their god rogue. their god <laughs> did betray them. Oh, nutted. <laughs> the whole point of uh, Victor's god is it was supposed to be like the insert Christian god, but it was moon god, moon goddess, and. Then later on in the campaign, Victor's, it lear- Victor learns that the person that has been speaking to them, pretending to be his his goddess from the main religion, is not. It is a pretender, an evil entity. So that makes him go like, well, huh, how much of what I did was actually good and how much of it was bad? Because he was kind of naive. He just went with the religion he was taught, which, which shook his faith, which turned him in from being a, a lawful, evil human rogue that had the intention of killing people that met his criteria into someone that questioned himself a lot and had to be like, what is right? What is wrong? Talking to people about it. And it eventually made him go like, well, I just want to protect people and let them live their lives. It was almost like the idea that you have of when an evil character dies, they have to become a good character afterwards. (laughs) It was like Victor's evil died and so he had to become good afterwards. It's like poetry. I have to to ask though, if Victor had not had this change of heart hard factory reset uh would he have ever killed a member of the party i have to know that was the full plan yeah yes we uh <laughs> way before before things started or maybe like after the first or second session levi and i well i had i i wrote down a list of projected character arcs for victor and mm-hmm. sent them to levi the first foremost and one i wanted to happen was victor convinces the party that he is right and they become his agents to carry out the same beliefs and that was the one that i was like you know that's going to be the least likely to have him one right (laughs) he was like yes but what if it does it'd be cool (laughs) i think and the next one was like the party changes his mind or somehow he changes Mm -hmm. his mind uh and then i think the third one was he killed (laughs) he just killed the party and left love it Uh, but I didn't really want to do that one because no one likes to be a PvP PC killer. Alternate universe where Neb survived. Guys, I found my dad. I think I can finally <laughs> say I've lived a fulfilling life, Victor. <laughs> you say. On God? Yeah. <laughs> On Goddess? <laughs> Neb doesn't die from uh, bad Terran luck. He just dies because Pertusic kills him <laughs> for the second <laughs> campaign in a row. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, oh my was... god wait did we just figure out that neb was projected to die no matter what yes I... <laughs> if that had happened yeah and if i hadn't gotten reset yeah neb, neb is a neb's death is a nexus event it has to happen in every timeline <laughs> neb's death de- because that's the thing if whoa wait because because <laughs> he's cracking it open the thing that sparked eoc the the bbg's interaction with the party in two was lavender getting the item that was a cult 
icon yeah. before Neb did. Yeah. But I feel like Taryn being Taryn definitely would have just tried to steal it later. So if Neb had survived, Neb would have stolen that off of Lavender and then interacted with Eok instead of Lavender. Probably did Taryn to romance Taryn. <laughs> which would have been Taryn being like, eh. And so then just probably dumping the icon in like a river somewhere. You wouldn't have had any of that interaction with Eok and perhaps the entire story could have went in an entirely different direction where because no one else in the party knew about what Eok was doing, Victor formulated different ideas and became more dependent. And oh my God. That's the Nexus event. <laughs> it's Neb's death has to occur yes and coming back through the timeline <laughs> when neb somehow survives oh. you don't understand <laughs> neb's death has to happen i don't know i have no idea how bad things would have happened if victor had continued his evil ways but i can't imagine it would have been good in any way i feel like pertusa you're the only person in the group that is very comfortable with doing morally incorrect things as I like, try. As a <laughs> I try so, so hard. I think that had you had the ability to, it would have just kept getting worse and worse. You would have just kept doing more and more horrible things <laughs> because you're the one that like you think it's interesting and you think it's cool, and I'm over here like I don't want, to, I don't want to kill the, the four <laughs> HP commoner, please. I... <laughs> it just it makes for interesting character interactions, mm -hmm. considerations for well. Yeah, that's the thing. I love thinking and being like, okay, you know, what is this the right answer? Is this an inherently wrong answer? You know, let's think about it from a moral standpoint. Think about it from a storytelling standpoint, you know? Some of the best stories make you think, is he a good guy or is he a bad guy? Or is she a good guy? Is she a bad guy, you know? Or I don't know if I can agree with him or whatever. I love doing that with my characters. And this is a, an interactive, uh, what do you call it? Uh, cooperative storytelling. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love being the bad agent. <laughs> I love being, not even the devil's advocate, the devil. <laughs> in the group. I'm the bad guy. Eyelash. <laughs> um, we don't have a lot of time. I'm pretty sure we're over an hour by some change. Oh, no, this is going to be, this will be a special edition long episode. We're fine. Yeah. Ooh. We'll keep going. Um, but yeah, that, I mean, I like what ended up happening with Victor. I, so I wish there was almost a way that we could play again in the same way and have things be different. Because I like, <laughs> I would love to see the different ways things could have happened. Redo the oh, choose boy. your own adventure. It's like playing AU4 over and over again because you just yeah. want to see if you can get France to own Spain again or something like that. <laughs> I mean, if we do that, uh, Taryn would definitely be like, I'm not going to do the stupid thing that killed Neb, guys, <laughs> and then do a different stupid thing that kills Neb. Yes. <laughs> I, I should have also mentioned, by the way, uh, if I haven't already talked about it, uh, Victor was a assassin, rogue assassin, 17 levels, three levels, barbarian, totem bear, because needed to live. <laughs> <laughs> Tried to work it into the story by him being like, my God, betrayed me. I'm really mad now. And then, <laughs> and then immediately mellowing out after three levels. <laughs> yes. And be like, I just want to kill people from the dark again. It's okay. Uh, <laughs> but anyway. Oh, the, the, before oh, oh. we move on i we have to mention we're already we're gonna be way over time anyway so might as well talk about it yeah uh my favorite moment from the second campaign is actually the last in the epilogue uh oh. the epilogue with atlas and victor true so yeah we talked about their very first inter interaction which after they did the little ghost telly thing um victor was like oh hey you want to go on an adventure mm -hmm. and then and... atlas was like you know i maybe i don't know the like the, why why on earth would i go on an adventure 
yeah yeah <laughs> Uh, at the early on, I wasn't entirely sure how to play Victor, but I was like, he would be attracted to strange people that have mm-hmm. strange stories or strange abilities. So I was like, he's going to be like, oh, you can see ghosts or want to come with me? Future victim, possibly. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and then at the very end, after all is said and done, Victor's changed his ways and needs to go meet up with Atlas again for a different reason. Finds Atlas, oh, sends a message to Atlas and mm-hmm. is like, hey, go back to where we first interacted and they walk in and meet each other and victor's like oh hey stranger fancy going on an adventure with me <laughs> it was it was very we, we had the same conversation yep but it was it was very cool it was a very yeah. cool moment of like oh it begins and it ends Full the circle. same way <laughs> it's just like xamda uh, <laughs> the xamda is vivia too <laughs> victor and Atlas didn't interact a lot throughout it, but they were both survivors the whole time Mm -hmm. and also met and ended together. And I feel like they also were kind of like on similar levels of morality as well. I think we were definitely, yeah. We were also kind of the voices of reason most of the time. Yeah. (laughs) It wasn't a lot like, we didn't hang out but you know yeah, <laughs> but there, there was like the mutual bond. there was the mutual understanding of like we're always on the same page you're cool you're cool we're cool yeah I'm cool. We're, like, we're, we're good <laughs> um, really it kind of happened that way because the two of them ended up being the voice of reason for like separate subgroups in the party yes, yeah uh where victor ended up going with finral the bard the very brazen and mm-hmm. wild bard who would go not wild like horny bard but wild like he would enact these wild random plans that were crazy go back and, and so listen victor, to the tj episode yeah victor yeah. would usually go with him and try to make sure he didn't die and yeah. um, or if atlas, he did be able to report it <laughs> atlas go get was atlas. The one who made sure that the overly zealous paladin and the stupid tieflings didn't go <laughs> off and break things and ruin the entire party's image and things and, like that and the terran sit yeah and the terran sit yes and also cleric cleric moment of like saladin yeah <laughs> cleric well that's that's the thing we touched on that a little bit in the dylan episode of like the yeah. two diametrically opposed clerics because atlas was very much the, they were both technically necromancers but they were very different methods of necromancy because mm-hmm. atlas was very much of like okay these are people and people deserve respect and so if you're going to do things like this you need to ask permission and it needs to be done with respect and through ceremony and there's a way to do these things and saladin was hell yeah skeletons yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. the bone boys <laughs> the bone squad that's that's movie two right yes wrap up victor it's horrible i lost the bone squad <laughs> We need to go to a graveyard as soon as possible. And, and let's also acknowledge that these two, the two clerics are the two that survived to Vivia 3 and are now as like, well, yep. Saladin is a god. Yep. Atlas is an archface, so they're they're going to get to see the next generation of stupid yeah. adventurers. Uh, Victor is a Terran, skeleton. Terran's <laughs> character for Vivia 3 worships Dylan's character. And I have told Dylan, yeah, if you ever just like talk to him, if he casts spells where he talks to you, you're gonna be the one who talks, not me. <laughs> so this is what we we need an uh, an exasperated Atlas cameo at some point. Yeah. <laughs> Victor cameo, <laughs> shot of a grave. Victor cameo <laughs> over <laughs> human moment. <laughs> that's no, that's where they find Atlas. You might get a technical <laughs> Victor cameo. What? His family. Oh well, yeah, descendants and such. One thousand years later, yeah. Yeah. 
long, long line of descendants. Watch, Watch they change the name to Smith instead of Smith. <laughs> we thought it would work better for PR when we went public. Yeah. <laughs> ashes to ashes, right? The sins they, of the fathers will be inherited by the children. The Batman of the Riddler, the Riddler. will. <laughs> Viv 3? Viv 3 moment? The, Viv 3 should go a lot faster because we haven't played Viv 3 yet. I mean, Levi, can you even talk about an NPC without spoiling? My favorite NPC in Vivia 3. Well, okay. I'll say, who do I think is going to be my favorite NPC in Vivia 3? Who do I think it's going to be? I can't say their name because their name is spoilers. (laughs) But I can say uh, their title, which is the Chromatic Knight. Ooh. So. They are called the Chromatic Knight. And... I intend on them being antagonistic, but not antagonistic. Like they want to kill all of you antagonistic. Mm -hmm. Like they're going to be at odds with you, but at the same time, they're not like, I don't, they're going to be like, I don't want to kill you. I just just don't want you to get what you want. Uh, Sort of Friendly rivals. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Business rivals. (laughs) That would be really funny if they're like fighting and then they all go out for drinks afterwards. I (laughs) I think interactions with that character will be interesting. And I hope that, people end up liking them more than disliking them because that will lead to the story that I want. Romance <laughs> them. Got it. Not yeah, that. <laughs> that would be, um, I can't say that. Ending number okay. three. <laughs> not because, I can't say that because spoilers, not because I can't say it on the podcast. Oh. I, I, I think that's what I was thinking it was. Well, Jordan. Yeah, my character for Vivia 3 is Ren for, ugh, I can't even say my own goddamn name. Ren for Telly. That's the name. They are a changeling rogue fighter, and I'm very excited to play them. Uh, Levi can tell you I have so many pages of backstory, and I a keep lot adding more. <laughs> and there's so much art because I keep making art. There's actually more art. I actually recently just added more art to the character sheet, Levi. So have fun with that. Oh boy, <laughs> I have to go look at that tonight. So yeah, I'm very excited. I'm very excited to play changeling. Uh, I really like the idea of shapeshifter, so I'm very excited. Uh, I can't do voices for shit so we're gonna see how that goes and i'm just excited because this is uh, ren is not my evil character but ren is definitely my morally gray character they are not a good person (laughs) where and it's not like it's not like the arlo situation where like arlo is a misguided and misinformed person and is actively trying to be good ren is a criminal and fully embraces that fact (laughs) And so I love them. They're part of a crime family. And so they work for their family. Uh, <laughs> family. They're, they're, they're part of a crime family and they work for their mother. And they're currently on the search for their long lost sibling who was taken many years ago and hates their right hand because he's an idiot. <laughs> Although I'm, I love I'm Francis. Serious. I love Francis so much. I don't know why you've named your right hand Francis, but no, I'm <laughs> No, Francis is their right hand man, and they think he's a complete and utter dumbass. He I is kind of. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's Ren. Ren is going to be my morally great. That's going to be the hard thing because I suffer from the same thing as Levi. Of like, I go in with the intention of like, okay, this one I'm not going to be the super nice, goody, good person, and then I start playing. I'm like, I can't be mean to the NPC. No. <laughs> <laughs> We played the session zero for Vivia three and Ren is supposed to be mean to Francis. And then I did it and I was sitting there like, oh no, I feel so bad. And I feel bad because I was mean to Levi. But 
not Levi. I'm Francis right now. Yell at me. <laughs> no, that's the other thing is like, I get so in my head because I'm like, I don't want to be mean to my friends. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's Run. They are a criminal and I'm very excited to play them. And their personas. I have some of their personas fleshed out too. Changeling. 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 <laughs> Who needs a family when you can be your own family, right? <laughs> I'm excited to be playing with Ren because Ren's going to have, first off, connections. My character is very disconnected as far as that's concerned, but to have connections uh, and intrigue of like, of like my character could just blow it and (laughs) your character would be like, dude, do you know who this is? You know, like, (laughs) or like, chill, dude, this is, this is a bouncer. Like, (laughs) I'm excited to see how that's going to work because there's a, the difference between the underworld knowledge and my character's knowledge is going to be fun. Mm. But yeah. People at home, you've been watching this far. First off, congratulations. Second off, can you guess what my character is going to be morally? <laughs> this is the one where Pertusa starts as the good guy. Yeah. No. <laughs> I won't say the name just yet, but I'm playing another evil character. This one is going to be also lawful evil. As was well, I thought he was neutral and evil. We always do this every time. <laughs> we always have to check it whenever we talk about this uh neutral you're right he is neutrally that's right okay that's right because he doesn't actually have a law abiding him um no victor was lawful evil yes that's right so my character his whole thing see i want to play an evil character that isn't comically evil this time i want to have one that's got some actual nuance but i want it to be an evil character whose will is unshakable like victor who was tossed because he had too much faith in his god and was kind of naive i'm trying to play an unshakably evil character who's going to succeed in their well thought out and planned goal or is going to die. Those are the only <laughs> options. I'm going to change um, it with the power of friendship. With my <laughs> lawful neutral rogue. <laughs> I can fix him. <laughs> cast mending. I can fix him. <laughs> no, I can't because I'm not a caster this time. That's right. So it's Dylan, Dylan, saying Dylan I can, can fix, fix him. him. Yeah, both, yeah. My character is going is one level hexblade warlock, nine going and to that's be, it, yeah nineteen <laughs> levels wild magic sorcerer because I thought that was the most fun sorcerer subclass and I really wanted <laughs> him to be a sorcerer. Um, Sorclock, yeah. The I did the world. It, people can probably guess from the build I'm doing the hexblade for the proficiencies and defensiveness because I want him to survive. Uh, <laughs> but also we made it work story wise. We're working on. We're making it work. Levi worked with me on that to make it make yes. sense. Yes. Yes. I'm especially interested in the potential of it because this character has resolved himself. He is—he now has a firm belief in his mind. He was a slave. He wanted freedom after a long time being a slave. And he had made some friends that were slaves with him on, the, on their field that they worked on. And they were planning a revolution, an uprising. And they got caught because one betrayed the revolution. And so my character was sent to be tortured for many, many years. My character is a warforged, so he could be kept alive pretty easily. And for a long time, can't, doesn't need to breathe, doesn't need to eat, doesn't need to sleep. So he could be tortured for a long, long time. And I believe it's like 12 years he was tortured. Um, he was solely existed as a thing for the plantation owner to vent frustrations on. So he resolved himself after all that, after all that time to think, he decided well, a world that allows for suffering like mine and other slaves can only be an evil, bad world. So the only proper solution to such 
overwhelming corruption across the world is to eliminate mortal life on the world and let it restart or just be nature. Those are the options, <laughs> is what he's come to believe. And then at some point, some mysterious entity lended their strength to my character, freed him from his shackles, and then he managed to kill his torturer, his slave owner, and flee and light the place ablaze and run away. And that's where we that's where we picked up. And now he's like on his own. He got he went on a little mission, got abducted, and he doesn't know who from. He might think it might be people chasing him down from the slave place. Uh, however, now he has gained his first sorcerer level, and he's kind of like I don't know what you call it, like ingested a magical artifact. <laughs> artifact that's the wild magic part. Yeah. And someone was like, oh. I'm giving you my blessing. I'm giving you this new name. You're kind of being baptized by flame. And so now we're going to see if my character is going to be receptive to that, or he's going to be like, I have this power. It's my power. And I don't care who gave it to me. It's mine. And I'll use it how I want, mm -hmm. independent of whoever is patronizing me. And now I'll tell my character's name. My character's name is Caiaphas, Caiaphas Golgotha. Again, religious themes, religious ties, because that's, I think that those are interesting stories and also, cool name, I think. <laughs> I think it's a really <laughs> like cool name. name. Um, I think it's a unique name. And this time, I got to get in early, so I don't have to pick a lame name like Brandon. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we love Brandon. Or at least I think we do, because I still haven't met him. <laughs> I think we'll love Brandon, Dylan's character. <laughs> and also Golgotha, because I thought that was a cool name. But yeah, mm. religion tie-ins that aren't really like related to the character so much as just cool names from, from the Bible, I thought. <laughs> but yeah. Man, I didn't even I didn't even think about the fact that we're all going to have like different reasons for why we all think we got kidnapped because that's where <laughs> our, all of our session zeros ended because we had uh, TJ and Taryn had a session zero where they were together and it ended up with them on wherever we're in in this box mm -hmm. and then Pertuzit and I had our session zero together where we were shoved mm -hmm. together and we went on a, a quest and then Dylan had his own session zero that took place at the same time and place that ours did, yeah. but was not involved directly with us. Like and A plot, so, B plot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, and, and now we're all in the same place. And I didn't even think about that, that we're all going to have different conclusions of like, who the fuck is after yeah. us? Oh, definitely. Now, yeah. like considering, I don't know who Ren's going to think was after Ren, but I know Caiaphas is going to think his slave people are after him. Brandon has his own antagonizing force who he's definitely going to think was after yep. him. Medley, I don't know who she would think is after him. And same for Odin. I don't know who he would think is after him. But because they don't know who would be, they'll probably come to different conclusions as well. So all five <laughs> of you will be like, oh, it's definitely these guys. And then the other person's going to be like, what? No, it's these people <laughs> who, are, who took us. Yeah. I think the, the assumption that Ren's running off of right now is it's, it's probably the same whatever entity took Adelaide, but it's, that was assumed to be like a rival, not gang, House. but a rival, yeah, like a, like a rival organization. And so yeah, that's family. what the assumption is right now. Family. family. <laughs> um, yeah, actually a rival family. <laughs> the other thing I'm actually super interested in as well, part of the reason I made Caiaphas the way I did is I wanted him to be a silent uh, backseater kind of, mm -hmm. not even like a backseater, just a silent passenger. Because with Victor and my Vivi One characters, I was very outspoken. I didn't necessarily lead, but I was but like... Victor a, was the leader. I was a determining force in what happened next a lot of the time. So my plan with Caiaphas is to be like, tight-lipped. <laughs> I think where are we Victor going? <laughs> is the same thing in Vivia 2 as Zamda is in Olympus, where 
may and produce it both want to be like we are not the leader but in actuality i think people on the outside would just be like no they're, they're the leader they're no the leader arlo's in charge obviously uh, that's true and that's very true <laughs> terexo's in charge you think you guys have ever gone anywhere because you wanted to <laughs> no <laughs> i i would buy that i would 100 percent believe that Stop but no, um, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a, a match between Ren and Brandon to be the leader for this one. Or I'm Odin. determined. Or Odin. We're <laughs> really gonna have the kobold. <laughs> it's gonna be really funny if Odin or Brandon gets it because Brandon's a coward and True. Odin's uh, a kobold. I'm telling you, Odin leading our group would be like if Scooby was in charge of the mystery game. Yeah. <laughs> and if it's Brandon, it's like Shaggy. Yeah. Like so. Like, like, why don't we just stay in the hotel room? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's how we start our business campaign where all we do is run a business in one city hotel. for 20 levels. It's not even like, it's not even a front like Ren's Family Tavern is. It's just a hotel. Yeah. <laughs> we have to do combat based on whoever, when we get like a busy lunch hour, who serves what <laughs> table. <laughs> it becomes Everyone like Papa's Pizza. legendary <laughs> action to stop you before you get away from the table and say if they can change their side to something else. Does mm-hmm. that mean that we get layer <laughs> actions though if we're in our own yes. tavern? Yes. The BBE Bones of Karen. <laughs> Not a Karen, the, the Karen. Karen. The only person named Karen in the entire world. <laughs> Tiamat, but is a Karen. <laughs> oh my God. But yeah, that's going to be, Vivia uh, 3 is going to be very interesting. And I, I, we keep making jokes about it, but I honestly don't think that we know what to expect. Yeah. I mean, it's a long ways away. It so. is a long ways away. It'll so I can fun. write more backstory. I'm done. Caiaphas is done. <laughs> <laughs> um, now just don't kill Caiaphas, Levi, and I won't have to make Please a Please don't character. kill us. <laughs> I, will be, I will be heartbroken if Ren dies just because of the sheer amount of effort and time that I have I... put into this character. <laughs> Listen, you're the one who's had two characters that have survived all the way from start to finish. I don't think you have anything to worry about, Jordan. Knock on wood. <laughs> the only one I'm worried about is Taryn. Yeah, which is I'm the cleric. I'm worried about At this Taren. point, it's inevitable. Like, it's got to go in with the plan. I don't want him to die, but he's going <laughs> to die. I was so confident. I was so confident when I first announced Video 3, and I was like, oh, everyone had their characters. And I was like, you know what? I think Taryn's not going to die this time. I don't think he's going to die. And just the longer we've waited, and I've been thinking about more and more things, I'm like, he's going to die, isn't he? <laughs> Fantasy <All right>. Louisiana. <laughs> now, let's talk about our Olympus 2 characters. <laughs> I, I have my Real shit. You have my you sheet. Shit. You have my sheet. I do have your sheet, actually, so I do know your character. I don't. I don't have I don't have any NPCs, actually. I only have a world in mind, but no NPCs. <laughs> I'll need to know what the world is going yeah. to be before I can make a character. That's how I work. Coming soon. By the time this episode is released, uh, Olympus 2 will have been played for a couple levels. No, no. I really don't think that's true. <laughs> no. Not with the summer all of us have planned. We're going to spend oh, an entire week, 24 hours, just playing Vivia 2 after we get done with Olympus. Please? And we're going to get it done. We're going to get two. it done. Oh, Vivia. Yeah, we're going to replay <laughs> Vivia 2. Vivia you get your wish. Maybe a three, uh, seven days in a row, 24 hour sessions. Fucking we'll bet. The story done in one week. And then we can move on to Olympus 2. Hey, we're graduating this summer, Jordan. We can do it. There you go. <laughs> Not like we're going to have to pay bills or anything. <laughs> sad, SpongeBob sad noise. Womp womp. 
if the audience wants to give us money, we can do it. <laughs> Please. <laughs> there are only right. eight of you right now, but who knows? By May, there might be 400,000. <laughs> All right. Well, they started panhandling. We got to end the episode. Well, what do we want to do? We want to touch on character creation real, real quick before we oh, close yeah. out. We're, we're getting to two hours. This is just like a special. <laughs> yeah, this is special. <laughs> All right, Levi, how do you go about char- creating a character, charactering a create? Creating a character. I have created a couple of DMPCs recently for Vivia. Uh, three. Not DMPCs, like they have to have character sheets and not stat blocks. Yeah. And I've come to the realization that the way I create a character is. Usually I pick one very specific thing and I'm like, oh, that'd be cool. And then I'm like, how can I make that into a thing? Who can I, who can I place that on? So like uh, the Chromatic Knight, that's, a, that's the character I mentioned. When I made them, it was based on, I was like doing other things for you guys. I was making homebrew things for it. And I was like, oh, this would be cool if an NPC had this. So then I went and made a character sheet that for an NPC that had that. And then I was also like, which class would be the most optimized to use this thing? And so then I made them that class. And then I uh, went down a whole list of trying to optimize them the best to work for that thing that they had that I had made. Zamda, when I made Zamda, I think it sprouted from the idea that I wanted to, I mean, for Zamda, it was, I want to play a paladin. That's what it was. That was the one little thing. And then the entire character grew around the idea of, I want to play a paladin. How do I go about playing a paladin? What do I want her story to be so that she is a decent person? All these things, blah, blah, blah. And then for another, a lot of it also comes from when I make DMPCs, because a lot, I, I don't have very many character characters that I've played. I have mainly DMPCs or the characters that I've made. And a lot of it comes from usually when a player does something in their story, I make a character that is part of their story or is meant to interact with them and reflective of their backstory in the campaign, which I did with another DMPC for Vivia 3, which is revolves around Brandon's character and is a character that's meant to entangle into his story later down the line. So usually... The, the process I have is I start with a very specific thing, like Brandon needs someone to fill this role for him. Or here's an here's a item that I made that I think is really cool and I made it for my PCs, but what if also an NPC had it? Or I just want to play a paladin. <laughs> it starts with one thing and then blows up from that one thing into a much bigger tree. The Erd tree <laughs> from Elden Ring. Yo, character Erd tree. Groot? No. Jordan, how do you create a character? Mine usually comes story first because I'm a writer and I think that's very, very evident in every character that I've created other than Mercury. Uh, Because again, for Mercury, I didn't realize that I needed a backstory. But then once it became apparent that I did need a backstory, I kind of went a little bit nuts with Atlas. So... So that's, that's typically what I tend to do is I, I go concept first and then I build from there. So like I have... So, so for example, with like Ren... I had the full fleshed out who was in their family and like what their personality was like, what their relationship was with Francis and all of that stuff. I had that first before I even started rolling for their character sheet. <laughs> and then comes the art. Usually usually it's story art and then character sheet because, oh, and, and part of the reason I write a lot because I have to know everything about my character, at least that point where they are right then. 
because I'm not very good at role playing. So if I can script as much as I possibly can, that's kind of where I like to live because I'm not I'm not great at <laughs> I'm not great at role playing. <laughs> I try. That's that's the thing. I had a very long and detailed backstory for Atlas specifically, but I if I could go back and replay, there were a lot of things that I would do differently with the way that I played Atlas. And I think that mm-hmm. also might partially be due to the fact of how we played Vivia too, because a lot of it was like those we played it hybrid. Some people were in person, some people were mm-hmm. online. So it was kind of hard to play Atlas. And I think I've gotten a little bit better with Arlo. So hopefully by the time yeah. we get to Vivia 3, I'll have some shit figured <laughs> out and I'll be better at improv. But I, my brain and improv just don't. <laughs> I, I have to know what my character is thinking in order to be able to play the character. And mm-hmm. so I have to have everything planned to a T before I even start figuring out like character creation and like class and all that stuff. That all comes, I manipulate all of the mechanical stuff to fit with the narrative that I've already written. And then all of my stuff, I, I whenever I draw my characters, they don't have armor because I A, don't like drawing armor and B, don't aesthetically like the look of armor on my characters. So I get very into like, their aesthetic and not necessarily the mechanical function of the character so Mm. they're never drawn with gear or anything that's functional it's just (laughs) pretty (laughs) yeah i think you do a great job doing uh rp you know just uh when you play arlo just pop a percocet before you get on (laughs) cold medicine jordan while i was sick was definitely the closest to real arlo that we will ever get (laughs) it was tangible powerful arlo was in the zoom with us Yeah, I'm aesthetics first. That's that's the that's the whole thing. I'm I'm an idea guy. I always just go with something I think would be interesting and different. Usually, (laughs) either different from what I think everyone else is going to do, what I know everyone else is going to do, or different from what I have done. Is my mo my modus operandi? So like, Shanae was like my first D and D character when we called it D and D that we were playing, and I was like, can I be evil? shoot i want to be evil right so so i started there and i was like evil character why are they evil and then i started and i made the little silly evil the silly reason to be evil um and then ulok i was like well i've I've done evil now i want to be good so i did a good one and then i was like well i've done evil and good when ulok retired and i was like i want to be neutral (laughs) so that was baby's first character creation and then vivia too was like i want to engage with the world and I want to create complications. I want to create interesting RP opportunities, something that would be different. When my character interacts with other characters, I want them to be like, why? Or he do be spitting, you know? <laughs> Goaded with the sauce. Exactly. <laughs> Goaded with the sauce. That one made me laugh when I said that earlier. <laughs> and then in Olympus, that almost every DMPC, well, we say DMPC, we always mean or pretty much always mean uh, characters that require stat or character sheets rather than stat blocks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Every time I make any of those, it's because a player character's backstory required it or something is coming up that has a like mortal, basically what would be a playable character, an NPC. So I'm like, well, I have to make them, you know, a, a character sheet, not a stat block because they would have player character capabilities. <laughs> They're a cleric, you know, they're not, I don't know, cat, or they're not, they're not Kate. They're a cleric, <laughs> a something level cleric mm-hmm. who's named Kate. But then um, there are some that I make for the sole purpose of being foils. Like you guys are in the human place right now in, in the campaign, meeting a lot of humans. 
humans is mostly Zamda's thing. So a lot of them are written to be like, how would Zamda handle this situation of a human? You know, how would Zamda handle this human and why they think differently than her or how they feel about her or how they feel about their hometown or their devastation of their hometown. So that's written to create a character that is, it starts with why would they be a challenging force to Zamda or would they be a challenging force? Would they be a supporting force? And then what is the challenge? What is the support? Why did it come to that point? And then from there, I'm like, okay, now we just run with it and we make it into a character. And then for Caiaphas, again, it was like, I want to make a character interesting that could have an impact on the world and was also birthed from the world that he's Mm -hmm. in. He is uh, an element created from Levi's world. And I want him to leave an impact on the world. Vivia too inspired me for that one a lot because although Victor did have a big hand at the end of Vivia too, obviously the ones that ascended to literal godhood and created kingdoms <laughs> made me go like, well, I'm jealous. So I want to have one that has a really big impact <laughs> on the world. <laughs> so that's character creation for me. So which one of us does it right? <laughs> no, Let us know in the comments. <laughs> hi this is jordan from nat one podcast we hope you enjoyed the episode you just listened to and we hope that you come back for more soon If you'd like to keep up with the zany shenanigans of our lives and the different things that we do, you can find us on Twitter, TikTok, Spotify, YouTube, CastBox, and Anchor. We look forward to seeing you again soon. And hey, thanks.